Let's talk about coding. Uh, recently, we had a talk with Tanmay Bakshi. Uh, he's the youngest IBM developer in the world, and asked him what was behind his interest in coding. And he said what he's just to make fun with coding. It was funny, and he just would love to um, uh, enjoy the process. What was behind your interest to learn coding? And what was your age when you start to make first steps in this direction? Sure. So um, I was six years old when I first started coding. And I think I got interested in coding um, when my dad actually did a prank on me. Um, in that prank, he showed me, you know, a button and it said to press it um, if you're beautiful. But um, when I started pressing the button, it would just disappear. So, you know, I started asking my dad, like, how did you do that? Why is it disappearing? And all those sort of questions. And my dad told me that he used something called coding to create this. And I think that's when I first got really excited about coding because I wanted to be able to create my own sort of pranks and games. Um, but when I started talking to my friends about, you know, this new coding thing that I started to learn, um, many of them were saying, you know, how they ha may have been introduced to coding, but they didn't really enjoy it. So that was sort of my inspiration behind creating a board game as a fun way to make sure that all kids, you know, get excited about coding. In your opinion, which must learn languages for beginners? For instance, if you're a teenager, what's the best choice to start learning to code? Which best languages? So um, for me, my favorite, my favorite, and I think the best to start out with um, language has been Python. Um, I think it's a very versatile language. Um, it's not too complicated and you can do a lot with it at the same time. But um, something else I'm focusing on is like the app development side of the computer science. So I use Xcode um, and there, you know, they use Swift. So I think that's also not that hard of a language, but also one really important language to learn. And then at um, the same time, Java is also a really good, you know, um, in terms of next steps after you sort of mastered the basics. Uh, let's talk about coder bunnies. I know many coders, many engineers, and in most cases, we just focus on themselves. But in your case, just after you have learned uh, coding for yourself, you're starting to teach others. Uh, tell me about how you came up with the idea of coder bunnies, how it works, and how does it help others to uh, learn coding? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, I think the whole inspiration behind creating the game was just that, you know, a lot of my friends didn't enjoy coding as much as I enjoyed it. 
And, you know, I thought, you know, for me, coding was something so fun. Uh, how can I make it fun for others who, you know, people who don't agree with me? And that was sort of my inspiration to create a board game because, you know, after all, all kids do enjoy playing board games. And I thought maybe if I could add a bit of coding into it so, you know, kids can learn coding, uh, some of the concepts of computer science, you know, without even knowing it, but in a board game and in a fun sort of way, that was basically my intention and my main goal. And then you know, I started playing with the idea and I decided, um, you know, it's it's like there's always just one programming language or there's just these two major. But what I wanted to do, what I wanted to teach the kids, the overview that they could apply to all of the languages. So um, what Cody Bunnies actually does is it teaches kids the concepts of computer science, um, teaches them how it works and how it's applied to the real world computer science. So that they can take those concepts and then when they go on the computer to do the real coding, um, they can be more familiar with pretty much all of the languages and any of the languages that they may learn. So um, I started playing with this idea with my brother and some of my friends. And I saw, you know, um, their their mindset towards computer science and coding was beginning to change. Um, they started to think of coding not as something just boring, sitting on a computer, just doing lines and lines of code. It could be put into something as simple and as fun as a board game. And so, you know, um, seeing that, you know, review from my friends, um, I decided to, you know, start doing workshops to teach other kids how to code, other kids who may not have enjoyed coding or maybe who just want to get started in coding. And I think that um, all started um, with the workshops. And then from the workshops, a lot of parents started asking me where they could buy the game. But, you know, I was just doing this for fun. I just had three and three, four, maybe five prototypes in hand. I was just, you know, doing it for the workshops and for the fun. And, you know, a lot of parents are asking, you know, I want to buy the game. Where can I buy it? And that's when I started deciding um, that was time to get into mass production. And from there, you know, Coder Bunny started selling on Amazon. And then um, within a year, Coder Bunnies actually trended at number one out of all of the board games on Amazon. Um, and so in terms of just like the game and sort of the design behind it, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this sort of just teaches the concepts that are applied in uh, most and pretty much all of the computer science languages and um, teaches all the major concepts. And it sort of teaches it in a fun way. Uh, you basically, you have a bunny and you have code cards. And what your goal is, is you need to make your bunny um, move through a maze, which consists of puddles and fences using your code cards. And you need to get your bunny to eat its colored carrots and then reach the destination. And then, you know, the code cards are basically what, um, along with, you know, some of the movement on the board, um, teaches some of the concepts of computer programming. In the very basic, you know, you could just start by saying, moving the bunny is just a series of steps, and that's how you learn, you know, sequencing. But as you go on, um, there's such as things like puddles and fences, and that's, you know, where the conditionals come in, if puddle jumps or if fence turn and things like that. So, um, and then, you know, you can make it more advanced with all sorts of concepts like stacks, you list parallelism, inheritance, and many others. You mentioned uh, that you started to learn coding at six. On your opinion, what's the minimal age that people uh, can start um, um, learning coding? And what's the minimal age to using coder bunnies? I think, you know, kids can start with the very basics at almost any age. You know, you can start with just dragging and dropping, just connecting two pieces together as simple as the age of two or three. Um, you know, you can just 
sort of get the idea of how, you know, build up to the real coding. So really, you can start at a very young age. Um, for me, you know, I started that. So with uh, my board game, people can start at the age of four. Um, so they just need to be able to, you know, to tell arrows and the way arrows move. And then, you know, as they progress in the game, um, you know, they probably are getting older as well. So, you know, then the more advanced concepts come in and that's how it all comes to work into play. But I think the beauty with Coder Bunnies is that um, instead of just, you know, playing it once, maybe playing one or two levels and then just leaving it on your shelf for the rest of the time, um, with Coder Bunnies, it progresses as your age progresses. So, you know, when you start out at four or five, you can start with the basic concepts. And then, you know, you could, um, instead of just leaving on your shelf forever, then you can come back maybe at six and then, you know, move on with more advanced concepts. So it's sort of learning as you grow as well. Uh, since you already started uh, your way as an entrepreneur, so you're, you're not just a developer anymore, you create some products and apps, um, you consider yourself more as a developer or inventor. And in the future, you plan uh, to build a career in companies like a Google or Amazon, for instance, or build your own startups and be, and be an independent entrepreneur. Yeah, um, so I would sort of make my, if I looked at myself, I'd probably see a mix of both. However, leading towards more of the inventor side. Um, I think, you know, I personally enjoy coming up with the ideas, coming up with how it all works into play and things like that. And don't get me wrong, you know, developing the entire process is definitely a key part of it. It's something I really enjoy too. But um, in the future, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I see myself maybe partnering with companies like Google or Amazon, but, um, you know, I mean, you know, working is definitely a great start, but I want to become more of an independent entrepreneur, independent startup, things like that. In terms of your current inspiration, what's your top of the developers or maybe inventors who inspire you in your work and your ideas? Yeah, so I think in terms of like the computer science and um, field, I would say I have like two major a major um, role models and inspirations. Um, one is Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace is the woman who first created computer science, and I think I look up to her because you know during that time, being a woman, you know she did so much in the field of computer science, mathematics, and um, a lot like that. So I really look up to her for, you know, for making, breaking boundaries and um, really just going for it. And then at the same time, I also look up to Grace Hopper. Um, Grace Hopper, she was the one who um, sort of discovered debugging, I guess, and she also made huge impacts in the world of computer science. Um, and I think I look up to her for a sort of similar reason. Um, like when she was working at Harvard, I believe, um, she was one of only one of the women amongst so many men. So um, that's really inspirational as well. But I think, you know, besides all that, in terms of just like the determination and the courage and the passion, um, I really also look up to my parents, both my mom and my dad. Um, I think, you know, they let me follow my dreams. They let me follow my goals. And I think, um, you know, they didn't say that just because I was, uh, they didn't say, they didn't stop me from following my dreams and didn't uh, put boundaries up for me. So I think that was also really important and a key part to who I am where I am today. 
for me, uh, as an inventor in philanthropy, it's very important how developers and inventors are able to connect uh, such technologies like AI and machine learning with social challenges and real-world mm-hmm. problems. Uh, at current stage, what topic is uh, your favorite or is it what kind of social challenges you're passionate about? Healthcare, education, climate or something else? Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest goals that I'm focusing, I have um, a few big goals right now. Um, but in terms of um, like, you know, um, main sort of core, I think I'm focusing on education as well as um sort of poverty as well. So um, those two actually, for me, they play into a key role, and I can explain that. Um, For education, you know, my entire idea is um, entertainment education, right? And I want to put both of them together to um, do something for kids that they enjoy, that they're passionate about, that they love. And then, you know, um, learn. They put those concepts that they learn into play. And, um, And I think... What I'm trying to do right now is I'm partnering with companies like Facebook um, and SAP. And what we're doing is we're working together to donate these Coder Bunnies and Coder Minds games to the underprivileged libraries and schools across the world. Um, You know, I believe that computer science, even though not every student will choose to become a professional coder when they grow, but I think, you know, just the basic computer science understanding makes them better better overall thinkers and leaders of this next coming generation. So I think it's very important for kids to even, you know, just learn some of the basics. And that actually leads into one of my goals, uh, Yes, One Billion Kids Can Code. And, you know, with that, what I'm working on doing is... um, well, the name explains it, um, making sure that one billion kids in the world have access to STEM and coding tools uh, by the time I graduate from college, and that would be around 2030. So, um, you know, just these are just some of the small steps that I'm taking towards making this huge goal possible. Um, but it also is easy to play with, as I said earlier, poverty. And what I'm doing with this is, you know, as I said earlier, donating to the underprivileged libraries and schools across the world. But... Um, a lot of the money that I've been earning and some of the profits that I've been earning have been actually going back into helping the homeless. Um, homelessness is a topic very close to my heart, and I believe that everybody deserves a safe place they can call home. Um, so, you know, just some other small steps I'm taking towards this. Um, I hold yearly lemonade stands. Um, and I think, you know, this, this is actually one of my favorite examples to give out because um, I actually been holding lemonade stands for two years now and all of the money that I've been earning have been going back into the homeless. So the first year, what I did was I just hold a normal lemonade stand like any other child would do. But I decided, you know, this is actually not as easy as it looks. I don't know how many people are coming and at what time, how much lemonade should I make? And, you know, just so, so many other factors. So sometimes I had lemonade, I was running out and I had like 10 people waiting in line. And sometimes I had a whole jug filled up and I had like nobody there. So what I wanted to do was that time I recorded data and um, and some you know other key factors and things like that. And what I did the next year was I took all of this into account. I took the weather, I took, I did a lot of research and um, I used the data from last year and I overall analyzed the situation. And what I did this time was I saw that I was able to predict the amount of people coming at what time a lot more. Therefore, I didn't have lemonade piling up or lemonade running out. And this is an example of actually how artificial intelligence and uh, things like that play it and data um, play a huge role into just our day-to-day life. And, you know, um, 
In the second year, I found myself earning 30% more than what I earned the year before. So, um, and the more I earned, the better because all the money that I was earning was going back into helping the homeless. So, um, see the things that I've been working on, see the things I'm passionate about and how they all feed into each other. Okay. You mentioned that one of your goals is to um, combine education and entertainment in order to make it mm -hmm. more engaging and more efficient. So it's just about my mm -hmm. next question. We have a huge growth of e-learning today from Coursera to uh, attempt of Harvard to go open source and use edX platform to share courses for, with people. But I believe that we still lack of a uh, teenager or young people focused courses which adapt for them and it's still uh, not always efficient so um, is it a part of a thing you would like to fix uh, in the future some kind of um, young people focused e-learning programs platforms courses yeah i think that's an important question um i personally use a lot of these sources like Coursera, Udemy, Khan Academy, um, things like that. But um, I, I do see that through the courses, you know, they're more focused towards people older than just kids my age or even, you know, teenagers. And that's um, something that's really important and something we need to fix because it shows that, you know, a lot of people don't believe that from a very young age, kids and teenagers can even pursue things like coding, computer science, um, AI, ML, and all those sort of um, other things. So I think it's really important to make courses based off um, teenagers and kids' interests to make sure that you know they get engaged and they realize um, how fun some of these things can be. And I think that was some, one of my main goals when I was actually creating Coder Bunnies. I realized over time that the kids didn't enjoy coding the first time they did it because of the way they were introduced to it. Maybe it may it seemed too hard or it seemed too boring or, you know, they got too frustrated. And I think that's what we need to improve with the courses as well. Um, you know, what I did through Coder Bunnies is I made it seem like coding could be made fun through a game, through a board game. And with these courses, we need to do sort of the same thing. We need to make it like um, kids feel entertained, kids feel welcome and things along those lines. Uh, recently, NASA have launched a, um, a show on the Twitch, a very popular streaming platform. And unfortunately, while it was a very good show, it gathered just few views. On your opinion, do you think that uh, while we have a so great platform like YouTube and Twitch, which we could use uh, for educational purposes, it still doesn't work in an efficient way in some topics like beauty or viral topics or games still dominate mm -hmm. the games and we have no equal competition. How do you think, how we could fix this? You know, I think uh, this is something that's definitely going on, you know. Um, I go through YouTube, you know, maybe looking for courses on certain languages or things like that. And I see the best of the best courses have 200, maybe 300 views compared to, you know, these trends that are going on that perhaps could be, you know, totally pointless. They have millions of views. So I think that's something that we really need to improve. But how do we do it? And I think the key to that is just to make something that kids will be entertained, um, that kids will feel exciting. Um, why do things go viral? Because, you know, kids enjoy it. Kids feel like it's something that um, 
that they want to do that's something that appeals to them while these courses that may be really beneficial and really informational um may not appeal to them and that's why they may have 200 300 views only even the best of the best courses so i think what we need to do like just as we as you mentioned earlier you know with these coursera and all these courses um they they we don't have a lot for just intended towards teenagers and kids we need to do the same with these sort of courses and make them in a way that kids that appeals to kids and teenagers and makes them feel welcome as well uh let's talk about school and education do you attend a school or you prefer homeschooling um so i do go to school i am sixth grade at stratford Rainier middle school Um, there is an opinion that we have a gap uh, between education at schools and real-life uh, skills. What would you change its school process? Maybe it makes sense to add more hackathons, uh, some kind of a technical competition, some more mm-hmm. real-life challenges. What is uh, your opinion? Yeah, I think... Um, in school, we go with the standards, and we've been going with the standards for a long time. You know, um, the, the classic sub- subjects, math, science, English, history. Uh, maybe you could throw in, like, arts or some other um, um, other things here and there. But I think we stick to the four major core subjects. Um, and I think that's what we need to change. Um, maybe not removing those, but instead adding on to those. Um, I feel like um, schools already have been doing a pretty good job of keeping up with the current trends and the current uh, the current technology. But I think, you know, we could do a little better. I feel like, you know, in my school, we teach computer science from sixth and seventh grade. And in eighth grade, it becomes optional. So I think maybe um, focusing more on things um, that, that play a huge role in the real world. You know, as mentioned earlier, Coding is an important life skill for developing young minds and making them better overall thinkers. And I think what we need to do is, you know, as you mentioned, hackathons, um, more of these sort of competitions and things like that to get kids involved and excited and make them realize how important these things are. Um, and I think also, you know, a lot of kids have these great ideas on maybe you could add this subject or maybe you could do this or that. So I think also just listening to the voices of many of um The young kids of our generation is also really important because, you know, um, I think we are the people who are going to be making the change in the next 75 um, years um, or less. And I think that's why we need to make sure that our voices are heard from the youngest of our ages. Um, you already mentioned that uh, along with your work as inventor and developer, you're passionate about helping underrepresented communities. I believe that sometimes uh, some uh, technical people uh, lack of a social science uh, knowledge and empathy. So I would love to ask you, what is your favorite subject and studies uh, beyond computer science? What's topic you're passionate about, maybe uh, history or something? like that yeah so i say um i shift two favorite subjects but my most favorite subject in school is science um besides computer science um and my second favorite is math um i really enjoy you know just diving diving deeper into you know some of the very common things that you know we it looks as simple 
Um, you know, I currently were learning about biology, and although our human body seems so um, simple from the outside, you know, learning about what's really inside is also something really fascinating to me. And then, um, and then, you know, just I also really enjoy space, um, outer space, and learning there's so much more out there than just our tiny Earth, just that our universe. So I think that's those are two things that really appeal to me besides computer science. And then in terms of math, um, I enjoy the sort of the difficulty of the sol- of solving problems. You know, you could look at a problem in so many ways and there could be so many ways to solve one problem. And I think both of these subjects feed um, directly into computer science as well. So um, that's also probably one of the reasons they appeal to me. Like for example, in math, um, so many ways to solve one problem, right? And I think that same thing feeds into computer science. There's not, there's always more than just one solution to um, a a problem that you may want to find a code to. But just like in math and in computer science, it's always important to take the shortest path, the fastest path. Um, and you know, I think both um, both of them play neutral. Um, and my last question. Recently, MIT has launched the course that's called Data Ethics uh, for Inventors. And I'm a part of many initiatives dedicated to data ethics, um, working with uh, data privacy, uh, tackling fake news, and other problems. One of the things that we agree with that along with the uh, teaching and educating developers, we also need to, de- de- uh, uh, to teach people uh, since the childhood uh, how to understand what is fake news, how to be responsible on social networks, how to keep your data safe. How do you think how we could incorporate data ethics and uh, data responsibility for general people since uh, school? Yeah, um... So I think this is also an important question. And I think in one of the questions mentioned earlier, you know, how could we make school, you know, more updated with our current technologies and things like that? I think um, this is also an important topic that should be covered in school. Um, you know, from a very young age, all, a lot of kids are on social media, you know, from Instagram to Twitter, Snapchat, there's always, you know, a lot of kids um, on these media platforms. However, you know, data, security, um, cyber um, networks, things like that, they're always really important things to keep in mind um, through this entire process. So I think if we could educate kids about the importance of this, about keeping your data, your your information safe, um, and how you can, how each each individual can, you know, play a role in that. How they could keep their own data safe and things like that. Um, that would create a lot safer online network um, that the kids would be on and be a lot safer for them as well. So I think that's an important thing that um, they should be teaching, whether it's in computer science class or um, in technology class or whatever. But I think it's important to add this to the curriculums as well. And finally, what would you say teenagers of your age or maybe a bit older who would love to become developer or moreover become inventors or create something? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, there are a few, I mean, a few paths, a few steps at least it takes to, you know, sort of get to that. And I think um, 
the steps are not that hard. It's actually really simple. All, um, all you need to do is one, explore, observe, and ask questions. And I think the importance of this is finding out what you're passionate about. Um, explore what's around you. You know, you never know. Maybe your friend is doing something um, that you may develop passion for, and that leads into observe. You know, maybe your school has been holding a club, a new club about this thing that's new and that you might be passionate for. And then, you know, ask questions about it. Really, there is no stupid question when it comes to trying to find out what you are really passionate about. And I think, you know, once you find out what you're passionate about, what you want to do, what your goal is, and that could be anything. It could be an idea. It could be a topic. It could be a a, a motivation or anything like that. Um, it's really important to ask for help along the way. Um, you know, mentors, parents, um, teachers, they're always there to guide you. But um, I think one of the most important things in this entire process is to have a clear plan of what you want to do. And whether that's, you know, written out or in your head, um, it's important to say, you know, this is what I want to do first in terms of trying to make my mission possible. This is what I want to do first in trying to create this product or whatever that may be. But have a clear mindset. And then, you know, you may need to make adjustments to your goals. You may need to make adjustments to your path. But what's important is that whatever you may do to change it, it's important that at the end you don't, sorry, you don't give up. Um, you know, it may mean you have to totally restart. It may mean you may have to change up your goal hundreds of times. But what's important is that if you have a goal, if you have a dream, and you ha if you have a vision or passion, you never give up and you always go for it. I think one of the most important things is to instead of worrying about failure, worry about the chances that you may have missed if you hadn't even tried it in the first place. Um, you know, I, there's so many times that I look back in my journey. I say, you know, if I had just stopped um, when originally, you know, libraries, when I started first going to them, they started telling me, you know, uh, we can't hold your workshops here or things like that. Um, if I had just stopped there, to this day, I wouldn't have gotten the chance to te teach over um, 10,000 kids. So I think it's just instead of instead of just stopping and worrying about the outcome or the failure, whether that may be failure or success, I think it's just going for your dreams and going for your goals with a clear path and mindset.